0: Podcast of ours, and this time we're looking across the pond, talking with our good friend Colin Ayers. How are you doing, Colin?
1: Hey, I'm fine, thanks, Jared.
0: Colin is a British Oz friend who's been who's uh, traveled to the Winky Convention in the past couple of years. So, how did you wind up getting into Oz? I know you've I've kind of heard the story before, but some of our listeners might not have.
1: <laughs> well, um, it started with probably as a lot as Oz fans with the MGM musical. So when I was about three four or five apparently I had it recorded off the television and I would play it at home maybe two three times a day for several years to the point where my mom will now no longer actually watch the MGM movie because she cannot tolerate it having to have to see it every day for most of her life Then I was a child Uh, so that was kind of the starting point really and then in 1985, now I'm, I would have been six at that point because I'm 34 years old, Return to Oz came out in the UK, which I really wanted to see, but my mum deemed that I was a bit too young to go with my sister at that point in time because it looked a little bit darker. Um, so I had to wait for the video release to come out, which I think it took about 12 months back then. You usually get videos now within a few months, but back then it was about 12 months before it came out on VHS. And I would often go to Crew Town Centre bus station video store and i would rent return to us for 50 pence every saturday every week <laughs> without fail for several years um and i would watch the two but i fell in love particularly then with return to us and its unusual stylings compared to the original i kind of liked the way the tim man looked and the scarecrow even though they looked so unusually different to the original mgm movie and And again, I wasn't that freaked out by the fact that Dorothy was like, you know, half the size of the original one from the original movie. Um, And then in 19, around about late 80s, we got the Cinar Wonderful Wizard of Oz series over here on ITV in the UK in in the afternoon at about sort of half or five o'clock after school. So as soon as I heard it was coming, I had to watch it and see what it was all about. And that kind of started to give me the fuller version of the Wonderful Wizard of Oz story. Um, and at the very end of each episode, you would get a snapshot of the four books by Al Frank Baum that the series was based on. So that was The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, The Marvelous Land of Oz, Osma of Oz, and The Emerald City of Oz. And I, I would often see it and never write it down. So eventually I managed to get hold of the cut-down movie version of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz series and get an image of it and and write down all of the books. And I kind of left that for a little bit um, until I was about maybe early 90s when I was about 11, 12, 13. And then eventually I went down to the public library to try and find these four books because I couldn't find them in the shops. So that's how I first got into it from the series. And then... That led me to go to the library and look and uh, to and locate the, Oz, the four Oz books that I believe there was only four at that point in time. And I read, I read um, Wonderful Wizard of Oz, I think first, and I think it was an edition that had Denzel illustrations, so that was kind of neat. Um, and I kind of liked the unusual way that the story was much more expanded than the MGM Wizard of Oz, and lots of the little adventures like the coll- the colliders. And, you know, the day China country and the longer trip home, it was a bit more of a complicated story than we have in the MGM musical. I then managed to get a hold of a copy of The Marvelous Land of Oz, which was a 1960s edition, I believe, from speaking to David Maxine from Hungry Tiger Press, because of the particular type of illustrator. I can't remember his name right now. And it had some unusual illustrations in it, and I distinctly remember... The Tim Woodman, I disliked the way he was drawn. I liked the story, but the Tim Woodman was drawn with like a a colander for a hat. And it really turned me off. I didn't like the fat, bulbous scarecrow in it. I could be very funny about these things. Mm. Um, Then after that, I couldn't get any more at my local library. So I spoke to a librarian uh, and asked him if he could help me find his books. He told me to go and look on the microfiche, um, which nowadays you don't really get microfiches in libraries. It's all done on computer and he said, kind of said well you'll have to go and get me the isbn number for the four books that you're looking for and i'll have a look on and see if any of the local libraries have got them so i went through the a to z and i found bomb and he kind of showed me on this great big huge tv like thing how to locate the books and then eventually i got this list of l Frank bomb books and there was the 14 oz books in front of me and i was like oh my god i've got to have these books um, I then had to I wrote down every single ISBN um, for each of the books and then sat down with this guy going through all of them on his system to see where the Oz books were. And he could locate all of them apart from, let me get this right, Scarecrow of Oz, Rinkertinkin Oz and Magic of Oz. It was impossible to get any of them. They were all out of print and were not popular enough to buy back in again um and then i wrote something about this in the winky program about when i was truant at school but i I, I changed the story a little bit to reflect patchwork girl of oz which i read slightly later but i actually managed to get a copy of tiktok of oz next which was a bit of a shock to the system when you've read um wonderful wizard of oz and marvel sand of oz because dorothy lives in oz and it doesn't really base itself around Dorothy, although Marvel's Land doesn't. And it, it was a little bit strange. But that TikTok was there. And it was a, what, a, a puffing paperback book from the 80s when Return to Oz had released. There's an image of Dorothy on the front with the, with the TikTok standing next to us. So that was really confusing. was like, why well, have you got a picture of Dorothy and TikTok on the front? And it's quite clearly a story about TikTok and the known king that was in Return to Oz, who's alive. And Dorothy's at the end of it. And she now lives in Oz. And Toto talks. So it was kind of a bit of a jump too far forward for me, but it still had me interested. And then I gradually started getting all the books. So I then got Patchwork next, and that came with the Neil drawings for the first time around. And as soon as I saw John ArNeil's illustrations, I just fell in love with them straight away. And I got a couple more of his. And then as I started getting a feel for the books, it was I had to have all of these books. I particularly had to have and read the free books that they couldn't get hold of, which drove me nuts at the time. Um, and then as I, my passion started for wanting to collect them, um, I, it would have to then be the correct illustrations for books. But I didn't really know what they were until Alan Isles's World of Oz came out. Also, oh, It had already been out, but it, it, it was a, became available in my local library, which is in a hardback edition. And the librarian, who must have been very frustrated by of me turning up nearly every week asking for these same books again and again and again, um, showed me this book in the TV section. And then straight away, I had Alan R's World of Oz, which gave me an insight to the illustrators and the writers. And then at at the back of the book is a list of the famous 40 Oz books, which, again, I couldn't purchase anywhere. So I then suddenly my mind was blown. Oh, my God, not only have I got 14 Oz books, but I've got 40 Oz books, most of them are drawn by a guy whose illustrations I absolutely loved. And my mind was blown that I've, I've got to have and I must read every single one of these books. And, and, and you, my, my imagination would run, run wild with what could these books possibly be about? You know, I remember Kabumpo in Oz standing out for me from the Ruth Plummy Thompson. Who's Ruth Plummy Thompson? What are Oz books like? Who's Kabumpo? The illustration that's in World of Oz is the, the front cover from Kabumpo in Oz. So I, I was fascinated by that and was fascinated by the Nome king's head on spikes with spikes with the Emerald City on top of it. I had to understand this story um but when you looked for any of the other authors in the micro feast they just didn't exist there was no thompson no mcgraw no snow no neil well probably fortunately there wasn't any neil because his books aren't the, the greatest apart from his illustrations and it it, it it was it was quite depressing as a child you know when i was about 13 to 15 i really wanted these books and i couldn't get hold of them how on earth could i get hold of them and then Fortunately, towards the end of the 90s, the internet really started to kick up, and I started to have access to getting online, and found Eric Jovarg's website, the, is it the was it called the Wonderful Wizard of Oz website then? Yeah. I think it, yeah, it was, wasn't it?
0: Well, I found. That. I actually wasn't looking at Oz at that time, but, uh, well, I, I believe it's always been called that.
1: Yeah, the, I found that, which then kind of listed that books were available on Amazon, and then I went into a local bookstore in Crewe and asked them if they could order via Amazon from America, and they could. So now all of a sudden I had access to getting hold of the Oz books for the first time. I did eventually, I think I maybe got a paperback of the Wonderful Wizard of Marvel sign, and that was about it. But they had really rubbishy illustrations in them. And again, my obsession had already started now that they must be the correct illustrator as well as the correct Oz books. So I started ordering the Books of Wonder hardback editions after using Eric Jovag's website because he's got a very clear index, which is still there now, which would tell you what books are available and what editions are available. And I knew they were supposed to be a facsimile. I now believe that they're not fully a facsimile, but they're pretty close. Yeah. And the, the colour plates and illustrations are very well represented. And, I'm I, you know, they are my main BORM Oz books now. Um, and then I started to get the Thompson books, which were, the, I got the... Real Book of Oz and Kabumpo in Oz in the hardbacks and Books of Wonder, and I also picked up around about two thousand Paradox in Oz. So you've got two kind of things where my Oz collecting went off. them. was I started to collect the Thompsons, which were they were good. They're not as brilliant as Baum. She's not as unique as Baum, but they're the kind of fun. Um, uh, and, and I don't particularly like the way she dispatched with her villains but I was happy that Oz has continued and it was also another good way of getting Neil's drawings c- c- to continue after Baum died um, but I'd fallen in love with the, the backstory of Paradox in Oz from reading it on Eric Jovarg's website which which kind of informed you what the story was and then there was a great illustration of Ozma on the front on this para- Paradox and I kind of thought, wow, that looks, you know, I'm a bit unsure about some of the new books because, you know, there's a lot of fan books out there that some are great and some maybe aren't so great. Uh, but I could kind of see that this was written by a, a, a guy and then illustrated by a guy who clearly loved the Osborne. So I thought, I'm going to take a chance on that one. It's a 100 year anniversary. Let's have a look at it. And I get this wonderful. Hardback um, new book by Hungry Tiger Press, which is Eric Chanower and David Maxine, and I just fell completely in love with this story. Um, and I become a big fan then of Eric Chanower's work and of Edward Einhorn's work and of it, Hungry Tiger Press. So that was even before I read some of the later Oz books at that point. So kind of that fitted in just after the first two Thompsons. And so I suppose from that point on, things kind of snowballed then because. That got into the early 2000s and then I I actually had a computer of my own so I could eventually get to the point in the uh, mid 2000s where I had the full famous 40 Oz books. Some would be paperback Del Rey's, some would be um, Books of Wonder, paperback editions, some would be some of the international Wizard of Oz Club books. But I, I eventually got my collection up to the point where I now have the famous 40. I'm still missing... A couple of outside the famous 40, so I still don't currently have Runaway in Oz, which I still think links in because obviously it was Neil's last Oz book, and that was edited and illustrated by Eric Chenoweth, so I I need to get a copy of that. And I need to um, get a copy of, oh, remind me what it is, Jared. What's the small little book? Is it Laughing Dragon of Oz?
0: Yeah, I don't have that one either, actually.
1: It's kind of pricey for what it is, isn't it? It's, It's about $99? Yeah, yeah. I want to get it, but I also know that it's not necessarily the greatest of reads, and
0: but then heard.
1: neither is Neil's, so it's one of those, I will get it, but it's not priority. Whenever I see one that's a reasonable price, I will just probably snatch it up at some point, so it, yeah. it's, it's on the list, but that's kind of compressed into about 10 minutes how I got into Oz, and my passion really is for the books, although I do enjoy the movies, and the Sinai Oz series, it, there is just something about the books and the collectability of the books and the stories that are, I don't know, have, have stayed with me since I was five. There's not many things that have stayed with me since I was five.
0: Hmm. And I'm
1: 34 now.
0: So, 29 years.
1: 29 years and everybody knows me as the Oz fanatic and my knowledge is very, very good on the books and a, a lot of people either are really interested or probably glaze over when I start telling them about them when they don't really understand what Oz is. And in England, it's very hard to get hold of the books, so nobody really knows. Like in America, at least people, have, they've got some awareness there was more than just The Wizard of Oz. Because it, it was the Harry Potter of its day when Bomb released the books in the early 1900s. But it just never made it big in England for whatever reason. Um, whether that's a snobbery with American literature and media at the time, which I believe is probably the case. Um, it, it's just never made it over here as a big medium. Just the movies have been good, and Oz the Great and Powerful has done very well, Um, and Return to Oz did have quite a big cult following over here, and it did better, I think, than it did in a lot of other locations, for whatever reason. You've always been able to get a copy on DVD since it was released, and there was always the odd VHS copy floating around.
0: Yeah. It was pretty hard to find Return to Oz on VHS before, like, 1999 when Anchor Bay re-released it in the US, so...
1: I suppose I didn't really realise because until I hit my mid-teens, when I was doing a paper round and had money, I would rent them for 50p from the video store. But I do remember a period where it was virtually impossible to buy a copy of Return to Oz in the 90s, because I remember begging my video store to sell it to me. Um, but then they were getting 50p off me every week for every every week of the year, so they're hardly going to sell it to me, are they? When they've got got um, money off me every week, 52 weeks of the year.
0: <laughs> yeah. We could, sir, too. We could just keep getting money after you this way.
1: Well, I kept... You know, I, was, I was maybe a bit naughty one year when I, I forgot to take it back, but then the woman at the store knew me, and I remember turning up at my property, knocking on the door about three or four weeks later, and I had to kind of make up that I'd been down one and i forgotten to return it. <laughs> but that was a bit naughty, but, you know, and I fans find this desperation when they really need something sometimes. Um, and, you know, I was only, I was only a small teenager. Hmm. But, yeah, I, I, it's something i'm passionate about i can't always fully explain why but oz grabbed me for whatever reason and this passion seems to get worse and worse and even worse now that i've been to winkies and met other oz fans and uh, do you want me to tell you a bit about that how i came to winkies sure so um, i mentioned eric shanower and david maxine earlier from hungry tiger press and Back in 2010, I'd started talking quite a bit to David Maxine on Facebook and online. And he'd mentioned that him and Eric were coming over to Bristol in England. So I made arrangements to meet with them. And now I've talked to people about Oz before, but no one ever really got it. Or they might have enjoyed The Wizard of Oz or they might have maybe read The Wonderful Wizard once and found it a little bit strange with the green glasses and all that kind of stuff. And then... um, I met with Eric and David in the hotel we were staying at and just just spent twenty-four hours with them. And we just talked about everything Oz. So we talked, from comparisons between L. Frank Baum and Ruth Plummy Thompson's favourite characters, favourite illustrators, Eric Science, my books. It was like meeting friends that you'd known for years. And to be able to do that with a series that I've loved all my life and never really had the opportunity to really speak like that other than on a forum online was so exhilarating. And and made it even made it even more so that I needed to get more involved in the Oz community. And and David did a bit of encouragement to get me then over to the Winky convention. So I came over to my first one last year when me and my husband, Neil, had a bit of a holiday and we, we did San Diego and L.A. and all that kind of thing. And I really enjoyed my holiday. America's an amazing place. But Winky's particularly left an impression on me. And then forging a bit of a friendship with Eric and David, and other people in the Oz community, it's made it even more heartfelt, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And
1: it's just, and the, the interaction at Winkies, you know, humour around, we can dress up in clothes, we can we can debate the books, and it, there's just a lot of love in that place, and I, I just I just love it, and I came again so so much so that I came again this year, and then I did a presentation for half an hour on the very subject we have just spoken about, which was collecting. OZ in, the, in Britain and also um, the merry go round in OZ and the Britishisms is it and I, I loved taking part and it was a thrill to be up there and talk to people and it's a thrill to meet everybody and meet people that I've heard about online or read about online for years but I've never been able to see. As a result of that I joined the International Wizard of Oz Club finally which you would think is a long time but it's very difficult to feel part of a club when you're so far away. When you meet everybody that changes that
0: yeah it's like oh these are these people okay
1: yeah and it's kind of nice to hear everyone's accents because you see these pictures online but you have no idea what they okay maybe I knew what Eric sounded like because there's a couple of video interviews with him online but when you speak to people properly one-on-one and then you build that rapport you can't do the same thing online you can maybe do that online afterwards and maybe you know Skype or webcam or whatever but until you've broken down the barriers and met someone face-to-face, it changes those relationships quite a bit. So um, the plan is at the moment to come back to the 2014 Winkies at San Diego. Um, I'm already making plans for that with Neil to come across for three weeks next year and do Winkies in San Diego. I'm very excited about that. Um, hopefully we'll see quite a few more people there this year uh, uh, moving to San Diego.
0: So who is your favourite Oz character?
1: Oh, my favourite Oz character... Can I do it by author? Is that easier? Okay. Have okay. Way uh, I suppose I've got weird ways of answering this. I might do a human character and a, a non-meat character, as Baum would say. Can I do it that way? Because it's too easy. It's too hard to choose one favourite or round character. Okay. I'm gonna be. Okay. So, from the meat characters and from Baum, it would definitely have to be Dorothy. Dorothy is the all-round American girl. She's much feistier in the books than she is in the movies, um, particularly the MGM movie. And, you know, she's a great character as a kid to look up to. This feisty girl who will stand on her own two feet and and do whatever she needs to do and will stand up to the Gnome King and all that kind of stuff. She's a great character because you're not like Dorothy. And, you know, as a young gay man and Dorothy and Judy Garland, I think there's a whole lot of other early memory love that goes into that character. So, I like kind of all, a lot of the representations of her. Um, I'd say for my, my non meat character, um, I suppose I've always been drawn to the scarecrow uh, and all, all versions of him. There's just something that there's a certain charm to the scarecrow, and the reason why he's in a lot of the books. And, and there's lots of other popular characters like TikTok, the Tin Woodman, and the Patchwork Girl are all in my top five, but there's just something about the scarecrow, there's something very American about the scarecrow as well. I think that's what I kind of like about it. And it's Baum's, Baum's descriptions of the Scarecrow that he gets so right. Um, when he thinks those characters through, he thinks, well, if they're made a straw, they should act like this. They can't eat. They can't do the other. And I kind of like all those little things that go with it. Um, Thompson. Um, Thompson's favourite meat character would probably have to be... You're probably going to think this is really obscure. Um, but I actually quite like Handy Mandy. Um, she's quite an unusual character. I know it's not necessarily one's favourite books, but I thought it was perhaps one of her more unusual ones from that perspective. Very weird, the fact that she's got seven different arms that do seven different things. But hey, you know, it's Oz. Um, and then for my non-meat character, it's, it's definitely Kabumpo. So for, for my, well, can't say non-meat, but it'd have to be in the more unusual characters would be Kabumpo. She, I don't think she wrote very good non-meat characters. Like Pegamee was a great character, but then she, um, you know, she changed her into a real person and kind of ruined that dynamic of the character. Yeah. Um. So I can't really choose a non-meat. I suppose for Thompson that easily. Um. Who we got next? Can I skip over Neil because I can't really say I've got any favourite in Neil's books.
0: Do You even like Ginny Jump?
1: I like Jenny Jump, I don't mind her, but it's just so hard to read. Okay. <laughs> it's so hard to read and get a passion for any of his characters. Uh, maybe that might change when I read um, Runaway in Oz because Eric has edited it. So hopefully, uh, from what I understand it, it's much more readable. So maybe that might change. You might want to ask me that question again later. Okay. Um, Jack Snow, um, He's. I know a lot of people didn't like Tom and Twink, but I kind of liked them. So they'd be my sort of people, and then I, I kind of like Pineville. Uh, sorry, not not Tom and Twink actually. I've changed my mind. I liked um, Ozana. Ozana was a nice bomb-like character, very much in the vein of Polychrome and all those kind of things. Okay. Um, and then the non the the non meat stuff. I kind of like Pineville. Pineville felt very very bomb. I can't really drill it down to one character, but I, I, I kind of enjoyed that. But he didn't. Introduce necessarily a great deal of new characters. He would introduce a lot of new bad guys, did not he, into Magical Mimics? Oh, um, yeah. Then who have we got next? It would be um,
0: Rachel Cosgrove.
1: Rachel Cosgrove. Um, okay, I really liked Singra, the Wicked Witch. I think there's two reasons for that. One, I like the way that, the deviousness of the character, and we hadn't had a strong witch like that for a while. And I particularly like the way that Eric Shanower draws Singra, the detail into Singra as well—that kind of holds part of my memory. I also, again, it's not really a non-meat character, but maybe an unusual character is Percy. And I know a lot of people don't like Percy from speaking to them, but I really like Percy, and I particularly liked him even more so in the Wicked Witch of Oz. Yeah, I think he was—he's quite a likable character. I like the Hey Kiddo stuff. I know perhaps some people are a little bit freaked out by the fact that he was a lab rat, but you know. there's been more unusual characters in Oz yeah um Eloise McGraw and um Lauren Lynn McGraw let me think now so yeah Robin is a nice little boy who's probably a bit you know a little bit quiet like a lot of us that when we read the Oz books a good all-rounded Dorothy-like boy that I kind of enjoy and then I think for me Mary it's got a, I know it's been fairly obvious but there's just some there's a joy in reading Mary she fits in with the Neil sorry with the bomb characters she's been fought out she's not just a merry-go-round horse who just wanders off you know she can't do anything but run in circles or, or run properly unless she's got music played there's a sense of realism to the character and you can't help but feel a bit of emotion for her when she whimpers a little bit when she's a little bit upset So that's an adorable character. Um, so they're my two and then who, who we've got left now that's, that's, that's kind of it isn't it of the, of the yeah. main series yeah so there you go so you've got a bit more than you asked for there you know what I'm like Jared
0: <laughs> yeah and uh, there was a question someone thought I should add and that is if you wound up in Oz what would you ask the wizard for if
1: I ended up in Oz what would I ask for the wizard for oh I suppose if I ended up in Oz I would I would have asked to stay there <laughs> that would be the, just the simple thing, would be asked to move my family over there and, and, you know, don't necessarily need to live in the palace, but, you know, somewhere in Oz would be nice. Um, you've got eternal life and eternal youth, If you depending on which, which Oz writer you go off. If you go off Bournemouth's Utopian Society, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing, is it, in, from that perspective? So, yeah, I think that would be that simple. I don't need much of it, much of it, many other things in life. I'm kind of happy with my lot. Um, so, it would, the only thing would be to move somewhere like Oz with all its magic. Yeah, there you go. What would you do if the wizard asked you? Have you answered this question before?
0: I have not. There you go, then, Jared, come on. Uh, I don't know. So, well, do you put me on the spot. I, that is a point. That is a point. Okay.
1: Uh... Have a think about it and come back to us in a minute, then, or on one of your other podcasts. <laughs>
0: I probably want to move to Oz as well because, frankly, you know, sometimes just living in a place that's up like the great outside world, it sometimes just feels like, ah, oh, this life is for the birds. So yeah, you know,
1: yeah, I can't. There's probably... plenty
0: of good things about, but sometimes you're just like,
1: oh, yeah, I get <laughs> that. And you know, there's other places you could move to that aren't ours, like, you know, probably the next thing if, if, if I couldn't get ours would be, you know, send me over to America then. It'd be easier to get the wizard to sort out immigration for me than trying to do that. Glinda's idea of immigration is probably even stricter than America, given that she made the country invisible and tried to stop anyone from getting through.
0: <laughs> well, that didn't work, remember?
1: <laughs> yeah, true. Uh,
0: how many people wound up in our... A- oh, God. It was like, wow, that was the most ineffective thing ever. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it lasted, didn't it? All for perhaps what you know. It was kind of glazed over in patchwork, and then all of a sudden, people were being flung to Oz, or one way or another. Yeah, it was. I, that was largely because a bomb, wasn't it? Wanted to finish the series and came up with this creation, and then, oops, I need to write some more books. So we'll forget that, shall we?
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, the most ineffective move ever was making Oz invisible. I guess all it's done is just keep it uh, invisible from uh, uh, from satellites and radar. Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. That's about the only thing that it ever gets referenced for, isn't it? It's not easy to find Oz, I think, after after people have gone over the fact that people arrive back in Oz again.
0: So yeah, the movie Oz the Great and Powerful, how many times did you wind up going to see it in the theatre? Um, I saw it
1: twice in the theatre, and I've seen it once on the airplane over to the Winky convention. So I saw it in 3D with my husband, Neil. Um, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it because I thought it was going to be a cash-in on Wicked and cash-in on the MGM Wizard of Oz. And to an extent, it is. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. It, I maybe, I maybe gave it, um, It's a two, two and a half star movie. It's got issues, but it wasn't a truly awful movie. Um, and then I saw it a second time with my niece Casey, um, we saw that in 2D because she doesn't like 3D. Um, she quite enjoyed it, and I think just my, my niece going on anyway just shows that there's a little bit of interest in Oz again. And then I watched it for a third time on the plane on the way over to Winkies because it, it seemed appropriate. I'm going to an Oz convention, so let's watch Oz the Great and Powerful on the plane. I think by the third time, I'm kind of breaking it down, isn't it more now after the third on the third occasion? Hands out of the back span of the book for the wizard. He's not particularly a likable character. I agree with a lot of other people's comments that the, the women in it are not as strong as Borms' women. However, I do kind of like the ending in the way that he becomes the wizard. It, it kind of makes sense that how can he fool the entire country that he is this big and great powerful Wizard of Oz. And we'll, you know, we'll, make, we'll, we'll see what comes of it. There's been talk, hasn't there, about a couple of follow-up sequels. Yeah. Maybe they might get in some writers who are a bit more intelligent and will give it a bit more of a wow factor, you know, fingers crossed, but won't hold his breath. It'd be nice to see, because we were left, weren't we, with the wicked, well, the, the wicked witches leaving the Emerald City, but they weren't wicked witches of the east and the west yet. There was no magical slippers or anything, so you can see there's room there for another film at least.
0: Yeah, they could always introduce Mombi or the Good Witch of the North or something. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was thinking that. You know, it'd be nice if they could cover Ozma in some way because, you know, all we've got at the moment is Glinda was related to the king who's dead, who we can only assume must be Pastoria, um, and maybe they're sisters, and maybe she's you know got to protect her. That'd be kind of interesting. But you know, I kind of get the feeling they might ignore Ozma by the way they made Glinda the daughter of the king. But but it'd be cool, East and West, and then another witch of the North for a bit of a battle and getting Oz into the shape it is by the time Dorothy arrives. That'd be kind of neat to see that pan out. Yeah. And I did like kind of—I did like the love letter it was to the MGM movie, I must admit. I know it doesn't look quite like it, but you can see visually it's made to send up the original, and you can't really blame Disney for doing that after Return to Oz flop. They played it a little bit safer, didn't they, with the visuals and the way they presented the movie, really.
0: Yeah. When talking to Oz fans from the UK like um there's my friend Al from Scotland who pretty much made the similar case that you know you really don't have a chance to get almost any books outside of the Wonderful Wizard of Oz or maybe Marvelous Land if you don't have mm-hmm. internet access. So Ugh. I yeah, think you pretty I mean, much already covered that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to get stuff over here. Mo- nearly all my books come from America, which makes it expensive because yeah, you got all, sometimes you've got import costs if you buy too many books, and the cost of shipping a book over is quite expensive at times. So I t- generally come back with a good hoard of books now from the Winky Convention. So anybody in England, if they're listening to this, go to the Winky Convention. You'll get loads of books.
0: <laughs> yeah. You can- and there's no way you can go to Winkies and come back empty-handed.
1: Oh yeah, definitely not. And you know, there's. I don't really know many Oz fans in the UK. I, I'm not going to name. Well, I can name Nikki Rose because she's she was fine about being in the presentation in England, who I've met face to face. I know of one other online who I've spoken to. And I kind of would like to try and get something together in the UK to try and bring those that are around together. I've got a few thoughts on that, but I won't go into that right now. I think I think that's I think that's possible to try and get some kind of community over here because I really miss my old fans from America. There's, you know you guys we've all hung out. There's there's a few out there that you know you get close to that if if you weren't so, you know we weren't thousands of miles away from each other we'd hang out we'd go for a drink and that kind of thing. So it was hard to say goodbye this year.
0: Yeah, you get tired to say goodbye every year.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. But when you two years in a row and you think about coming up with the third year, a whole long year of waiting is just excruciating. But you know, there's Skype, there's FaceTime, there's ways of keeping in contact, which I'm keen to do.
0: So you've seen the two big Disney Oz movies and the MGM film, mm-hmm. and uh, how many other of the other Oz films have we seen? Like I know you've seen the Patrick Garland film, definitely on Winkies with live accompaniment.
1: Yeah,
0: I've um, so, seen that on DVD or Blu-ray before.
1: I've se- so what have I seen? Let me think now. So
0: I got the
1: 70th blu-ray anniversary of the mgm wizard of oz which covers most of the black and white movies so i've kind of seen them all but i must admit they're hard to get through particularly when like patchwork had no accompaniment music to it i was maybe watching them in five ten minute slots they haven't aged well obviously and the acting isn't great in them so i can't say i've got any great affinity other than a bit of curiosity for that history at that point in time um, the 1925 one is even more abysmal, but I think everybody knows that anyway. With the Wizard of Oz, oh. I've seen the 1933 color cartoon short that was produced and then never really made it into the mainstream because wasn't it banned or something like that because of copyright issues? It might be 1932 actually.
0: It went unreleased but, for
1: a while. Yeah, I believe I think Sam Mazzola actually hasn't he said that there's going to be a
0: Blu-ray of that? yeah they're
1: it's kind of strange having a blu-ray for a five minute short but you know fine
0: it's gonna be with other cartoons the producer made so there's gonna be some weird stuff on that one
1: (laughs) yeah i am kind of you know it's gonna have to go into the collection isn't it the 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 ones available at the moment are not that well cleaned up so i'm kind of curious to see what they'll do with it i like the old 30s and 40s tunes i have got a bit of a love for disney of that era as well so it kind of fits with that in the other collection MGM Wizard of Oz that you know about, I've seen the 1960 Return to Oz um, movie, Um, I was vaguely aware of the Wizard of Oz series that that was before that, it was on Sky satellite television in the UK in the 90s, but I didn't have Sky because we couldn't afford it, so I tried to get a neighbour to record one or two episodes for me and I think they probably got bored and annoyed at the fact I was asking them given that I wouldn't know them but you know (laughs) so I never really got to see the series so I got it's okay it's not really it's in the collection because it's part of Oz but I'm not really a big fan of that. Mm. Um, I've seen Journey Back to Oz a couple of times. I kind of like it and I kind of don't. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense but I kind of watch it and think it's it's not a bad movie it's better than you know the cartoon Return to Oz one um, but the more and more I see it, there's something. Some of the animations are a bit dull in it, and they cut some of the best things out of that book, don't they? They cut out the fact of Ozma. Um, the wooden saw horse is a merry-go-round horse, which um, we assumed was because of merry-go-round in Oz. Although I know there's been debate that that you know they wrote those characters at the same time. It was just purely coincident, but they kind of ruined a great character of the wooden saw horse to turn it into a merry-go-round horse. I don't like jack's voice in that that jars with me because i'm used to the return to us, um jim henson voice mm. and um what's his name because he's really famous isn't he does, does jack in the journey back to us is it paul Holland? yeah um so that jars even more because that should be the guy that does what penelope pitts i'll get you penelope Pitstop stop or something like that it, it kind of reminds me of the raccoace's voice it doesn't feel right for jack hmm um i've seen the Wiz once yeah i wasn't a fan of it <laughs> um, uh,
0: that is definitely a movie that if that you have to try for some people you have to try really hard to like it other people are just like oh i like it and yeah get, I mean, all... i'm like how on earth do you like it so much
1: yeah, it kind of I don't know. It, it's just so not ours, and it's and, and now speaking to people who've seen the original stage versions, it's so far away from even that at times. Uh-huh. I, I I need to rewatch it because I saw it in the '90s and was completely turned off by it. And it's and it's now on Netflix in the UK in HD, so I'm going to make myself sit down and rewatch it and and maybe post on my blog what I think about it. Yeah, that may not be great feedback, but <laughs> I'll still post what I think about it. Re reviewing.
0: Oh, yeah, so definitely the... watch it in HD if you can because I I, re- I recently got the Blu-ray. And noticed okay, it looks better. I mean, it's still a pr- it's it's still not a good movie, but it looks better.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like some of the tracks. You know, he's on the, Round the road the road's a great track. Yeah. Um, um I've seen so uh, there's an early 1980s cartoon with is it Eileen Eileen Quinn in it. That's yeah. a, a manga one. I've seen it a couple times okay, it's a kind of faithfulish adaptation adaption of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz um, I don't mind it, it's maybe a, a free star, you know, sort of Saturday cartoon movie I've seen the Cinar series all the way through now because it, it, it stopped in the UK at The Wonderful Wizard of Oz and it actually stopped quite abruptly in the dainty China country and we never got anything else after that, I was fuming about that
0: <laughs> Oh dear
1: to be to be aware that there's this series and they are going to do four stories and then just cut it dead there. That that, that was that was so frustrating. So I, I kind of obsessed over getting the cut down movies of that at one point. And then I, I, one way or another, I've got caught, you know I managed to get hold of the entire fifty two episodes. But I would like them to be you know available on DVD would be nice. Um, to have the full the full series. Um, what else is there? There's that Dorothy in the Land of Oz. Which was the, was it Dorothy and Thanksgiving in the US or something like that? or
0: It's gone but, by a lot of titles.
1: Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's only a short 20 minute thing. It's clearly based on the Neil style of drawings and everything. It's, it, it was never meant to be a great movie, right? but it's a nice little 20 minute episode, I suppose. Um, I need to get that on DVD really because I've got VHS and I don't have a VHS recorder anymore because I kind of like to keep on top of the latest gadgets and VHS is so 1990s. Yeah. Um, I can't. is there what else is there, Jared? If you Uh, take my mate, is there any newer stuff? see,
0: See, did I know they released a couple Christmas episodes of the Oz Kids series? I'm. DVD yeah, the UK. I've
1: got the Oz kids. I think there's just one, and it's a like a Christmas thing in my collection that I kind of half watched, and I need to really finish it off. Um, yeah. the the only other thing that I can think of that's Oz related but isn't an Oz movie that I watched was a, it's a f- film called Girl Interrupted with Winona Ryder in it.
0: Seen it.
1: <laughs> Seen it. And then there's a there's a mental Oz girl in there. Yeah, uh, who's got a copy of the Patchwork Girl of Oz? That would have probably been me if <laughs> in the nineties if I hadn't become more stable. <laughs> but if anyone's not seen that, it's it's worth our watching just for the Oz references. Yeah, um, and it was it was you know Oz the Great and Powerful has been the only thing really that's been big budget that's come out since then. I'm kind of hoping that you know. This will get the Wicked movie sorted out, although I don't think they're in a rush with making Wicked into a musical movie because they're still making a fortune with its multiple stage shows all around the world. It'd be nice if Warner Brothers would get their act together and do a a sequel, you know, The Marvel Sign of Oz, and get some musicians in there and write, you know, a follow-up to the MGM Wizard of Oz and actually use the material they've got for a change. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. There's, what, Dorothy of Oz coming out next year. It looks kind of fun. Um, I haven't read... I've got the book, I picked that up, but I need to get around to reading it, so it, it could be fairly interesting. I think my niece would enjoy it, and I'd have a good you note. Know, I like the way that they've done some of the design of the characters in that. Okay.
0: Have, yeah. So I'm guessing that probably if you had to pick your favourite, it would be one of the Disney films or the Cinar cartoons or the MGM film?
1: I think still... Even though it has issues, and you know, I say this as a fan because we've watched these movies millions of times to the point that you can analyze them more than the most people ever would do, and that's kind of the fun of it. It would, it would still be Return to Oz. I think for me, it's still my favorite Oz movie. And I think it's it's purely because it 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 took me away from the MGM vision of Oz, and it gave me an insight into Baum's Oz a little bit more. Even though it's not pure Baum, you know, it's two books welded together the bits cut out you kind of got you've got the bomb oz from the characterizations of TikTok and jack and dorothy um and the King King. although the Nome king is far darker than he is in the bomb books
0: well, uh, returned... they definitely got belina right i think
1: <laughs> yeah belina i love belina i know a couple of people said that her voice is very irritating but for me that is the ultimate chicken voice whoever did it did a great job it, it fits right for a frustrated chicken Whenever I read *Ozma of Oz now, I can hear that actress's voice in my head. Because you know, when I read, I kind of visualise certain voices in my head. Like, Dorothy quite often is Feruza Bulk if I'm reading um, one of the books. Or Judy Garland. And you know, So, I read books and I hear voices. So, maybe I'm telling you I'm that crazy Oz girl from um, Girl Interrupted.
0: <laughs> I remember a story writing a movie. She has, like pages of, the, of an Oz book put on a wall. I'm like, Why? Are they on a wall? Why are they not uh, in a book?
1: Yeah, the, uh, people do that, though, don't they? They buy the originals and then they rip out the color plates. How can you do that?
0: Like, how? <laughs> don't do that. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. I can kind of understand if it like, fell apart. And, <laughs> but, you know.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I must admit that there have been the odd color plates I've seen selling online on Facebook. that have already been obviously removed. I have been kind of tempted to buy. There is one of my favourite um, Neil um, colour plates is in Emerald City of Oz towards the back. I mentioned this to a couple of Oz fans. There is an illustration of Glinda cradling Dorothy and Ozma, and then the Nome King is wrapped on a kind of weird donut thing in the background. Do you know what all I'm referring to? Yep. And I just think it is the most beautiful piece of Oz work that he's ever done, and I would love to get a colour plate or a big blown up edition of that because it is a great piece of art as well as being Oz.
0: They had that at um, the first Winkies I attended, and they always said they were, going to, they were going to be offering them off. And I'm like, oh, cool, I can't wait really to get that one. And they, they're like, it's $25. And I'm like, I had my budget was like only 50 or so. And I was like, oh, I already spent everything.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of feel that. The first year I went there, I, I kind of held back from spending stuff before I went to the Oz Convention because I wanted to reserve my money to get you know whatever came up. And I'd seen a copy of Merry-Go-Round in a bookstore in Monterey that was $150. It was a first edition. And I kicked myself afterwards for not getting it because you don't get many of the Merry-Go-Round in Aussies in first editions around. Yes. And then I went to the convention and I got a few bits and pieces um, and I didn't get it. And then it was there again this year. In the same bookstore, but it looked a bit tadier than I remember it. But fortunately, I managed to pick up a great copy for $99 from Cindy and the wonderful Books of Oz at the Winky Convention. It was yeah. much cleaner, so, you know, I was destined to have Merry Go Round, just not that version.
0: So, was it a Books to Wonder version or the. No, I... it's,
1: it's, it's the first edition.
0: Okay. First well, you edition, got
1: one. Clean copy, no dust cover, but, you know, I'm happy just to have the first edition.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah, so pleased with that. And you do have a blog. It hasn't updated in a while. I noticed these things. <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. I'm gonna. I, I have just been working on my latest blog, which was I'm um, doing a countdown of my favorite Oz books. Yeah. Um, and it's it's kind of to help tidy up my writing a little bit as well because you know sometimes my grammar isn't the best, but it, it, it's it's for fun, isn't it? It's there to share my thoughts on Oz. So I, I'm not going to obsess over that too much. Yeah. Um. But it is the British blog of ours. I will be updating it some more. It's just sometimes... You know what it's like, Jared? You run a blog, work so busy, you don't always have five minutes.
0: Yeah, sometimes you just don't feel like blogging because you're like, I work. Yeah, I know It's like in my case, I've been running this blog since late 2005, so sometimes I'm like, what is there left for me to write about?
1: I kind of have tangents. I'll write one, and then I suddenly get... You know, it's a bit like collecting. I get in the mood to write, and then I'll write three or four on the go, and then I'll release some over a couple of weeks. And then... You know, you you have writer's block for a bit and you're not in the mood and you're collecting or you're watching something else. So I think the blog will kind of be like that. It will always be there and I'll always do it. But some months it'll get updated regularly and other times it'll be a bit of a deadly desert of updates, I'm afraid. But yeah, there should be one coming in the next two weeks. In fact, there should be several coming because I want to do an update on Winkies. I'm doing the next one in the series of my Oz favorites. And also, you know, this podcast will get posted on there as well. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's free updates coming already. So, you know, just badger me. <laughs> badger me <laughs> to get on with it.
0: <laughs> All right. So um, you want to shout out the URL for your blog?
1: Yeah, hang on. Man. Let me just bring it up. Um, well, it's called the British blog of ours. So if you just type that into Google anyway, it will bring me up. And then, But I will just give you the URL for it now because I'm, I don't know it. <laughs> I should do really. So it's just coming up now. So it's it's HTTP forward slashes and then it's British blog of ours, uk. And the last thing I updated on there, which was way back in April, was when the uh, song Ding Dong the Witch is Dead became number one in the high up in the UK charts because of the death of Margaret Thatcher. Which I felt I had a duty to report on being the British blog of ours as it was an Oz reference. So, but I will update that soon. There is also, I'm not the only person to contribute to the British blog of ours. Um, There is also Nikki Rose Halliday, who I spoke about before as an Oz fan. She's done a couple of updates, and I'm sure she'll do some more in the future, which would be nice. And then if there's any other British guys out there that want to contribute, feel free. Okay. Okay.
0: i right. I think we're going to start wrapping up here, so... Mm
1: -hmm. you kind of got to stop me from going there, haven't you, Jared? It's not like you've needed to prod me too much.
0: No, you've been a very good guest here. Very willing to talk. I'd happily come on again. I enjoyed it. So there's a little other thing I kind of thought we could do last night, and that is, do you have a question you want to ask me here? Yeah, suppose
1: what what got you going to Winkies for the first time? Because you've only kind of appeared on the RC, haven't you? What, maybe the last four or five years of it?
0: Oh, well, I've so what I, you, I was around
2: uh, doing the, in the blog and doing the podcast and everything.
0: Well, I was around on the Oz Club message board since about I think 2002. Okay. So, you know, and then I was doing the blog and a website, and people kind of knew me from that. And then, you know, there was a podcast, and I started bugging people around, and they were like, "Okay, well, that's cool." And then. Finally went to Winkies, and I was like, oh, and here are actual real live Ice fans. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I, I mean,
2: it, it, it kind of gets you when you go there, doesn't it? it yeah, it, it, you kind of you kind of need to have more. No, it's been great. At the end of the day, I said, Eric Eric website, Um Wish I Press, um a couple other ones I can't Tom head and your blog, have all been things that have kept me up to date. Osmopolitan website on ours. So I've I've kind of always enjoyed the breakdowns of of your reviews and all that kind of thing. It keeps the community going.
0: It's a surprisingly active community, really. And, you know, at at times it's like, it's not really centralized. I kind of wish it was a little bit more because, you know, I kind of like to be like, oh, you don't really think there's an Oz fandom? Well, just take a look at, you know, this one place right here and you'll see that, yeah, there's actually a lot (laughs) there's actually a ton of Oz fans, but whatever
2: yeah but we are so internationally spread as well now um, you know, you've got me coming over from Britain you've got Sam comes over from America sorry, from Australia it's kind of neat that we all do but it would be nice uh, saying that if we we're all closer together um, but it's kind of fun that we get these international mixes now as well and get to sort of speak to each other and do things we probably never would have done if it wasn't for Oz.
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah, and, you know, it's like surprisingly when you get Oz fans together, it's almost like literally living in Oz, so it's like... Yeah,
2: and there's a lot of Oz references, isn't there, that gets sneaked in, you know. I remember comments at Winky about, you know, people come and go so quickly here when people disappear and, and just stuff that most people would never get. It's uh, kind of neat to look out for, and yeah, it's probably the most um, gregarious community that I've been involved in, and certainly the most active and quite affluent community at times. And there's a lot of you know a lot of scholars, and you've got such a good mix of fans. It's not just a movie fan; it's not just but there's such a, a good mix. And even the book fans have all got their own sort of spin on what about the books they enjoy. And I kind of like that variety.
0: And, you know the cool thing about it is that even though you got all these different types of fans, you put them together and they just get to get along. They're not like, oh well, you're a movie fan, <laughs> or oh, you're yeah, no, just book fans.
2: <laughs> yeah, everyone gets along. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone gets you know. And we have those moments where you have a good laugh and there's parties and it's all a bit silly and it's just good, good fun.
0: Even if you have um, Freddie suddenly identifying as gay, lad. <laughs> <laughs> That will never die. <laughs> Definitely. Okay, well, I think we're ready to head out here. So there's Colin's blog there that people can keep an eye on, and and if you're an honest fan, then he's around on Facebook. So
2: yeah, just just add me on Facebook. That's fine. Chat. That's fine. I'm, I'm always happy to do that. All right. Yeah, that's that's cool. Enjoy that.
0: Okay. Well, until next time, this has been Jared with Colin Harris here. I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Music is by Kevin McLeod of W